Alex Bowman comes to the stripe to win the Auto Club 400. Career win number two. A huge moment for Alex Bowman's career and future and this season that he and Greg Ives and Hendrick Motorsports are starting to put together. Welcome back to another edition of Full Tank with Phil, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. We're coming off of Fontana where we learned a few things and we have a lot to discuss. Alex Bowman is your winner. That kind of threw us for a loop based on when we recorded the podcast last week, but uh, we'll touch on that in just a second. On this one, we're going to be talking about Fontana for a little bit. Then we're going to take a look at some of the money line picks moving forward to Phoenix and some head-to-head matchups. Maybe sprinkle in a little top 10 action as we go. No top 10 section. And then another Phil versus the sportsbook situation in the, the Phil's fired up section at the end. Uh, really just kind of baffled. So that's the rundown for this show. But let's take a look. We'll start with Fontana. I mentioned Alex Bowman coming out victorious. A little bit of a boring race. I think that has some people, you know, kind of scratching their heads. Was it a good race? Jeff Gluck put his poll out there on Twitter like he usually does. 75% of the people said it was a good race, which was way up from last year. But I kind of think that you need to take that Twitter poll with a little bit of grain of salt because I think people are just excited to see somebody different win. Alex Bowman, people feeling, feeling good for him. So at the end of the day, not sure because I hate races like that where you have a leader who is just way out in front and i mean they were he was so far out in front that the fox broadcast was focusing on the race for second towards the end of that so i would consider that boring the reason to bet on nascar is for that exact reason you're you're trying to see what's going on later in the pack or down the pack you got top 10 bets we had a, a parlay situation going on so talk about how we did we didn't pick the money line winner first time this season. And I think that if we, it's the old age old question with this podcast. When do we put this out? Because, you know, if we wait till after qualifying and practice, then it's not enough time for, you know, you guys to be able to consume the, the content, get your picks in, etc. But when we record, you know, a little too far in the week or to start the week, we miss out on some, some good stuff. So if, I mean, I, I took Alex Bowman. He dominated practice, and he finished third in qualifying. So when you see a guy, I mean, this is the lesson learned. If you see a guy who's doing that, you're going to have to adjust your picks. He was plus 2,000 on Tuesday when the money lines came out, and he eventually got down after qualifying. Even though he was dominating, I believe he was going off at plus 800, which is still good value. It was, you know, the garage was a buzz about the the 88 and the fact that he was the strongest car. So you had to try to take advantage of it. Um, I think I actually got him at one point. When I put my bet on him, I think it was plus 950 is what I actually got him on. But uh, as when the, when the green flag flew on Sunday, I think he finally went off at plus 800 was his lowest. So the lesson is... You got to keep track of what's happening throughout the weekend, even if you do get some bets on the race early in the week. Uh, just 
you know, try to stay on top of it because it is tough. Now, looking at the guys we picked, we were we were close. I mean, all four of the money line picks that we talked about were top ten. Kyle had a terrible qualifying and made it way back up to second place, which, you know, like I said, the eighty eight had such a far lead, it made it not even fun. But um, he finished second. And then Chase finished fourth. That would have been a nice little payoff. How about Johnson? Johnson qualified second. It really, we talked about him as a long shot, plus 1,600 last week. And there was part of me that was thinking maybe this could happen. But uh, especially with all the fanfare with his kind of home track, I'm saying with air quotes, um, it seems like every track is a home track in some way, shape, or form for some people. So, uh, and then Harvick was a guy we called a favorite. He finished ninth. So we were on top of it. It still made it interesting. So the point being, betting on the, the money line is still interesting to kind of keep a boring race fun for yourself. The top 10 picks, we went one for two. And the head-to-head picks we had last week, we went two and two, two wins and two losses. So overall, pretty even keeled day. Now, the thing that really throws me for a loop, we talked about knowing after qualifying and practice that the 88 was strong, strong enough to put a bet in for. But coming into it, the stats said otherwise. Bowman was terrible, according to the statistics. So it really is kind of uh, something that I'm going to have to think about moving forward because I I do throw a lot of weight behind these stats and this research that I do. And it really kind of makes me question, you know, how much do we want to rely on it versus what we're seeing with gut. Now, I think we were saying that Chevy in general was going to be strong. And, you know, who is it from the Chevy camp that was going to take that and run with it? I think we said Chase or maybe Johnson last week. Well, it just so happened to be another Hendrick car in the 88. So I was kind of a a little shocked by that because he he completely sucked at that racetrack. And then he dominated like he owned the place. So we have to think about that as we move forward and we see some of these guys listed. What it tells you is that maybe we're really getting to a spot this year in NASCAR where maybe anybody can really win. It's not the the old guard just dominating every single week. So we'll see. Phoenix will be a good test to that question. Uh, so let's let's talk about Phoenix now and the the strategy around it. I'm. I'm Hate to say it, but I think we're going to have to focus on a couple favorites, and it's the same two guys, but we'll get to them in a second. Uh, but Phoenix, just a lot of stats here to go off of, and when you're looking at those stats, it, it really draws you in one direction. So some track stats here for Phoenix. 47 races here in the past. Four times has someone won from the pole position. And the last time it happened was 2015 with Kevin Harvick. And that was a completely dominating uh, race for him. Winners coming from the top five. It's happened 17 times. 36% of the time. Pretty standard, actually. Uh, and then top 10, just over 50% of the time, the winners have started in the top 10. Now, all of that pretty typical. Um, I like how we have a large sample size with the 47 races here. The one thing that is sticking out to me out of these track stats is the winners that have started outside of the top 20. Only four times has that happened. That's 9%. And the last time someone has started outside the top 20 and won the race, it was 2017 Ryan Newman. So not too far back, but still, I mean, four times in the history of this racetrack has that happened. That's going to give me a reason to pause 
Uh, especially, you know, if I'm waiting to put my bets until after qualifying, I'm probably not going to put down anything on anybody starting outside the top 20 just for that reason alone. I, I That is something that really stands out to me as a problem. So I'm going to take that into deep consideration as we move forward. So having said all that, let's take a look at some of the money line picks and I kind of gave it away a little bit when we're talking about favorites. So I think a lot of people would think of Phoenix and word association. When you hear that, when it comes to NASCAR, you're going to say Kevin Harvick, which is true. And we'll talk about him in just a second. But when you actually look at the statistics, the answer, the word association should be Kyle Busch. His numbers at Phoenix are absolutely absurd. Wild. In the last 10 races, He's only raced nine times because of his injury. So in the last nine starts for Kyle, he's got two wins, eight top fives, and nine top tens. So he's finished in the top ten every single time. His average finish in nine starts, pause, just listen, pause, 2.9. That's right, 2.9. That is just something that I can't wrap my head around. So when we, we think of Kevin Harvick, it really should be Kyle Busch. Uh, he has the most laps led in the last 10 races here, and he's only raced nine times. That tells you how many laps he's actually been up front. Wild numbers all around to, to have a race completely missed, and he still leads that category is wild. Now, his last four races, if you say, I, I just like a smaller sample size than 10, let's zoom in on his last four. His finishes are second last fall, first last spring, and then the year before that, first and second. Just just insane. I mean, you have to look at it. Now, we talk about how we don't like betting favorites. The weird thing is, I, I was looking at the Moneyline odds earlier today, and he was listed at plus 550. And right before I started recording this, the odds shifted. We're going to talk about that shift for good or for bad in just a second. But his odds shifted down to plus 500. So you're going to want to take a look at that and see where he is at that moment. The lowest I would probably go this week on Kyle would be plus 450, maybe 400. After that, we're getting into territory that I really don't think it's worth throwing all of your eggs into one basket. But with that being said, think about those numbers we were just throwing out there. His driver rating out of everybody is third. And as far as average finish is concerned at all time, all races here, he is third in that as well. But um, looking at the last 10, I mean, he's obviously the number one average finish with that 2.9 number, which is just out of this world. Looking at it recently, poor qualifying last week. We said that. He fought his way back. He's someone, it's not if he's going to win a race, it's just when and how many. And you'd have to imagine that things kind of just weren't really going their way. And maybe last week he was just getting there and just came up a little short. If he had more time, maybe he would have closed the deal. This is the perfect remedy for a season that, you know, if you consider that a slow start. I mean, he's not in the, the playoff picture at the moment. So, if you consider that a slow start, this is exactly what you need if you're a fan of the 18 camp. Um, you can't get a better racetrack than this for a driver. So you can't not bet on them is really my feeling here. I mean, like I said, if the number dips below 
450, then it gets a little weird. But uh, at that point, maybe you just haul out and, and throw a ton of money on him just because of how good he is. So right now, plus 500, I believe we saw right before. And um, I'm taking him at that number for sure. That's Kyle Busch in the 18 car. Now, let's talk about the other favorite because this is a guy, when the odds came out originally, they both Kyle and Kevin Harvick were both originally going off at plus 550. When those odds shifted, Harvick actually dropped down to plus 600. So let's talk about Harvick because he's someone that I think most people would say dominates Phoenix. In the last 10 races here, he's got three wins, eight top fives, and 10 top 10. So it's very obvious why people love to talk about Harvick at Phoenix. It's death taxes and top 10 finishes for, for Kevin Harvick here. I mean, he is someone that, you know, they have those top 10 bets. You can bet on people finishing in the top 10. And most of the big names are big time minus money. I may consider betting on the, the four car finishing in the top 10, even though it would cost me an arm and a leg. It's just easy money. It's It's been easy money over the past 10 races, the past five years. Why not? You know, it. I know people say, "Oh, it's too much that can go wrong." It, it, unless it's an act of God, this guy is finishing in the top ten. So, you gotta love that. He's first in driver rating at this racetrack, and he's first in all-time finish, uh, average finish rather, and second in average finish in the last ten races, which his average finish is three point nine. So kind of looping Kyle back into the conversation here for a brief second. The reason why I'm I'm saying this is another track to bet favorites at is because when you look at the last 10 races and you look at the list of average finishes, the, the numbers, you have Kyle Busch at 2.9, you have Kevin Harvick at 3.9, and then the third place guy is Hamlin at 10.9. That is something you do not see at other racetracks. So, Again, it makes you say to yourself, why Why shouldn't I? I have to pull the trigger on these guys. So it is what it is. He likes the spring race here more than he does the fall race. All three of Harvick's wins at Phoenix has come in the spring, driving that Jimmy John's car. And, and what kind of car is he driving this weekend? Well, he's got the Jimmy John's car out on Sunday. So a lot of things that are positive here for the four car. 2015 was the, the race that people remember. He led 224 laps that race. So if you're trying to think of a reason not to bet on him, his success here has sort of been weighted uh, towards the past. Recently, a little less success. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, 10 top 10s in a row. That, that's damn good. So other than Kyle, you're not going to find anybody with that type of number. Very reliable. He's too tempting to pass up on here. So especially, I'm, I'm confused as to why his number dropped. Plus 600, uh, that's very good. So I'll be all over that. And the fact that he's another one where it's it's just not if but when. And again, this is a track that fits him perfectly. So I'm going to take the four car this weekend at plus 600. And if that number dips, you know, same same conversation as Kyle. I mean, I'm looking around that plus 500 number. Uh, below that, I'm a little more skeptical. But right now, he's in the sweet spot, plus 600. I don't think he's going to get any better. The odds are going to get any better for him. So I'm loving it right now. Pounce on it if you can. Bye, bye, bye. All right. Now let's talk about a couple guys who are more of a long shot. 
because when we're talking about favorites, I also got to throw some of the, the long shots in there. And this is somebody who's listed as a long shot, which doesn't make sense to me because he's our points leader. It's Ryan Blaney in the 12 car. He's going off at plus 1,200 right now. And he's the guy who is out in front in terms of points by, by quite a bit, too. Uh, he had two second-place finishes in a row with Daytona and Vegas, and he was poised for another uh, second-place finish at Fontana. But he had some tire trouble towards the end of that race and ended up finishing 19th. But it was very close to another second-place finish to three in a row to start the season. would have been um, very Kevin Harvick-like. So let's talk about him. He's been here eight times. Two top fives, four top tens. So... 50% of the time, the 12 car, or excuse me, Ryan Blaney, because some of those were not in the 12, he's finishing in the top 10 out of the times he's been here. So his driver rating is ninth overall. But the thing I like about Blaney is that most recently is where you're seeing his success. So two top fives in 2019, and both of his finishes in 2019 were third place. So that tells you, he likes it. He's very comfortable here recently, especially since he's been in the Penske car last year. Obviously, trending upwards. We talk about that a lot. That's the type of trend we like. And maybe this is the year where he you know, breaks through and finally gets a win. He's He's got a pole here, so he knows how to qualify well. We talked about the value with that a second ago. So um, the 12, it just makes a lot of sense. His average finish is 14.2. Not great. I mean, out of all races, all time, it's 10th. Um, he doesn't come in the top 10 as far as the last 10 races are concerned for average finish. But still, looking at it more recently, we talked about last year and last spring, he actually led 94 laps. So all these things are reasons why I am in on the 12 car this weekend, especially at that value. Plus 1,200, that is definitely going to go down to at least 1,000 plus 1,000 at some point this weekend. And if he goes out and qualifies well, it's going to drop even further because of where he is in the standings. I honestly think that the odds makers, they're really not that sure how to set these odds, especially after last week when somebody like Bowman went out and he was like plus 2,000 last week uh, and he won. So I, I think the odds would eventually drop down for Blaney this weekend. So get him while he's hot right now. I am in on the 12 car. Last guy we're going to talk about, Moneyline. I always like to throw out kind of a, a long shot. And this is somebody who, when the odds shifted, he was lower down. And now he's even more of a long shot, according to Vegas. So going off at plus 2,000, really good value here, is Kyle Larson. So let's dig into some of his numbers here. He hasn't won here. But he's got four top fives and six top tens in his last 10 races. He's fourth in driver rating, which, again, for maybe those of you who are a little bit newer to this podcast, driver rating doesn't take just average finish into consideration. It takes all of their loop data. And if you're a driver who was running up front for most of the race and then something bad happened to you at the very end, driver rating is there to kind of counteract that and, and keeps you rated highly because you performed well there over the course of the entire race. You just didn't get the finish. It's not weighted towards the finishes. So he's someone who is fourth, which I don't know how you can have the guy who's that high up in the driver rating rankings 
and have him going off at plus 2,000. It, it just doesn't make sense. And his last three starts here at Phoenix, he's finished fourth, sixth, and third. So very, very good numbers in 2019. And the race before that third place finish, he finished 18th, but he led 54 laps. So he's someone that you could see breakthrough here. Now, this year, if we're talking about Kyle Larson this year, I'm a little skeptical of him, but again, it's more about the value that's bringing it back. Uh, he's, he's statistically someone who is worth it. And if he was going off at like plus 900, he wouldn't even be a second thought in my mind. But plus 2,000, it, it's too good to resist. So I'm going to throw a little something on the 42 this weekend. Um, and then a little bit of drama in that camp. Um, Denny Hamlin was, was kind of fooling around this weekend after the race and kind of ran into Kyle Larson with a, a shopping cart, joking around uh, with a funny tweet. But Larson's boss, Chip Ganassi, from Chip Ganassi Racing, did not find that funny at all and had a very, like, grandpa-esque response to the whole thing. So um, I'm not sure how Larson will react. It would make a ton of headlines if he went out and won the race, though, this weekend. I'm sure they're all going to be asked about it this weekend. So I say that uh, that'll be an interesting tidbit to kind of follow as the week goes on. So he is someone a lot like Bowman last weekend, where if he's out there and he's practicing well, he qualifies well, you got to be all over the 42. So that'll be the last I say about it. So the, the four Moneyline picks that we have this week, we've got Kyle Busch plus 500 at the moment, Kevin Harvick plus 600 at the moment, Blaney plus 1200, and Kyle Larson going off at plus 2000. So next, we're going to move right into everybody's favorite head-to-head section. And, and this week, the head-to-head section is actually sponsored by the TGF Pick'em for all of your XFL betting needs, TGF Pick'em. I know I'm skipping over some of the top 10 picks, but we'll, we'll talk about some of these guys while we're discussing them in some of these head-to-head matchups because there's a couple guys on here that uh, just would have been kind of duplicates. So we got some, four matchups here that I like, which is typically what we do here in this section and the first one we're going with chase elliott versus joey logano now this one it's tough it's a good solid matchup they're both right now going off at minus 115 a piece so joey has one win here two top fives and five top tens in the last 10 races here chase zero wins but two top fives just like joey and four top tens in his eight races that he's been here. So very good numbers for both of these guys. If you want to look at head-to-head record at this racetrack among these two guys, in the last six races, Chase actually has a 4-2 lead over Joey, which is a little surprising. And even more surprising, Joey's wins in that 4-2 scoreboard have come last year in 2019. So Chase had a 4-0 streak going up against the 22 car, which kind of took me by surprise based on the fact that Joey seems at surface level to be a little bit stronger here. I mean, he does have that win, but they both haven't been phenomenal recently. Now, I need to make a quick amendment here because when we were talking about Kyle Larson a little bit ago, I was calling him out, calling him out excuse me, as having the fourth best driver rating here at Phoenix. That was actually incorrect. He's got the eighth best, but everything else I said after that still stands. 
Chase actually has the fourth best driver rating here at Phoenix. And that's what stands out to me in this matchup. When you're looking at two guys who, you know, head-to-head, things seem to be pretty even. You know, overall statistics, win, top five, top ten, all seem to be similar. Uh, you're looking at guys who have been similar here recently, kind of back and forth in the, the slugfest head-to-head over some time period. Uh, driver rating is what really stands out to me. So Chase is fourth. Logano is tenth. Looking at average finishes, Logano isn't even in the top ten. And Chase, when we're looking at his numbers, if we're looking at all-time average finish at Phoenix, he falls eighth overall. And then if we're looking at just the last ten races, he finishes tenth. So a lot of numbers just to say that Chase when we're looking at those stats, seems to get a leg up over Logano in this case, plus the fact that Logano has his win already this year. Chase has been pushing pretty hard and driving pretty well, uh, including last weekend. He didn't get a stage win last week like he had the two previous weeks, but he still finished fourth and I would say had a strong race despite some ups and downs. So, I'm going to take Chase in this matchup. I was actually looking at Chase to win the race at one point um, to call him out. And, and hell, I still might. I just won't be calling him out on the podcast. But um, I like Chase to win this matchup over Logano. They're both going off, like I said, at minus 115. Mark it down for the nine car. This next matchup we have, we called this out earlier in the season. And I really do like this head-to-head setup. And it's Clint Boyer versus Eric Almarola. All right, so the tail of the tape for these two. Clint, in the last 10 races, his you know best thing to show for it, two top 10s. And he finished eighth in last fall's race. Almarola, in the last 10 races, he's got two top fives and five top 10s. So right there, that stands out to me. But hold on to your hats because the, the numbers don't end there as far as driving us towards Almirola in this matchup, since he's been in the 10 car with Stuart Haas racing, three of the last four races he's finished in the top 10, which is great. And he's got his two top fives since being in the 10 car. So very good numbers. His average finish is 12.7 compared to Boyer's, which is 18.8. So a lot of things are trying to tell us to go with Almirola with this one. In the last six races, they're both they're three and three. But if we drop it to the last ten races, Elmarola has the easy victory seven to three at Phoenix. I'm going with the ten car here. I think you should too. I think Boyer has kind of gotten himself a, a little too far over his skis. He actually started up a podcast with the Barstool Sports Gang, and I think He's starting to realize it's not as easy as he thought. It maybe was a little bit more of a a commitment than he wanted to. Um, You combine that with the fact that they're already starting, you know, uh, to create a buzz and and start some bad blood amongst the the NASCAR media crew. I think he's just got a little bit too many distractions right now. He put the car on the pole last week and did absolutely nothing with it. So I'm going to go with Almirola. Two guys on the same team. But I think uh, the 10 team is stronger here overall. I mean, their average finish is like seventh in the last 10 races here. And Boyer is nowhere to be seen on that list. So strong team. Almirola is one of those guys 
who I'm calling out to try to take to finish in the top 10. I might not take him to win the race. I think that's a little bit of a stretch for this group. That's setting the bar way too high. But I think he's going to beat Boyer in this head-to-head matchup. And I would look at him for the top 10 as well. Because of those numbers that I was just talking about, he's clearly trending upwards since being in the 10 car. His average finish is right around that 10th position. And like I said, three of his last four races, top 10s. It's actually going back to when he was in the 43, four of his last five races here at Phoenix were finishes in the top 10. So right now, looking at the odds, he would be about plus 175 to finish in the top 10. I like that. It's positive money, good vibes all around. So mark me down for the victory over Boyer and put the 10 car back in the top 10 for me. That's something that we said earlier this year, and I'm pretty sure it paid off for us. So we're going to roll with it again. We're going to talk about these top 10 finish guys a lot. It's the, it's kind of repeating itself because those guys are the ones that are going to get better value. Because when you're talking about finishing in the top 10, you don't want to bet like we were talking about with Harvick, where you're it's like minus 275. I mean, that's not great value. You want the good value plus the good numbers. That's what gets you money in this world. And Almirola has both of those right now. So we're going to roll with it. So that's the answer to this quiz. Now we're going to move to a couple rookies. And for this, I'm going to dig deep because I'm going to dig into some of their Xfinity success and see who we can pick apart here. So this matchup is Christopher Bell in the 95 versus Cole Custer in the 41. So if we're looking at these guys, obviously don't have any experience really to go off of here at Phoenix in the Cup Series. And it's a little risky, I think, to you know, take Xfinity and try to compare it to what we're talking about in Cup. But still, Christopher Bell, back in 2018, he won the fall race here. So great for him. He, he has been to victory lane. He knows where it is at this racetrack. But I think since then, last year in 2019, Cole Custer really took him to the cleaners. Custer had two top fives. And in those three races, since that fall race in 2018, He's got three top tens. So Custer is more consistent, at least he was in Xfinity, at Phoenix. And his finishes in 2019 were second and fourth. Just miss. So you take that. He's got a head-to-head matchup here against Bell in Xfinity of two to one of the last three races at Phoenix. I like Custer in this matchup. Um, If we're talking about the 41 team, Suarez finished 15th here last year at Phoenix. So I like that. It's the same team. You got a guy who is consistent. You're moving him into a a top 15 vehicle. I think he could, you know, get the job done against another rookie who is in, you know, JGR equipment, but it's the satellite team. We talked about this matchup, I think, in Daytona, uh, where that's a total crapshoot. This little bit more narrow. We can kind of see the picture here developing and I like it. I like the 41 car. I like Cole Custer at Phoenix. Uh, he's my pick. Plus, you talk about Christopher Bell. He finished dead last in Fontana last weekend. So things are not really coming as easily, I think. I think people had Christopher Bell locked in as the rookie of the year. And it's not coming as easy as maybe he thought to himself, maybe to some of the fans. Uh, some of the people at JGR, because Tyler Reddick's playing well, or he's driving well. 
Cole Custer, he's he's hanging in there, and so is John Hunter Nebechek. So it's a pretty much of a slugfest here for this rookie of the year early on. And the odds-on favorite, I would say, is in the basement. So a lot of pressure for someone like Christopher Bell early in a season where I think he thought it was going to go a little bit smoother. So with all that being said, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles himself this weekend. But I'm going with the 41 team, Cole Custer, to beat the 95 and Christopher Bell at Phoenix. We'll see how it goes. I like it. I've kind of talked myself into that one. Talking about Xfinity, you know, it's a, it's a little crazy, but I like it overall. The final matchup that I have here, I tried to bet against Kurt Busch last weekend, going with the old versus young scenario. And I'm going to do the same thing this weekend, except let's see where we land. I'm going to talk this one out and see uh, how I feel at the end of it. So Kurt Busch versus William Byron. They are both going off at minus 115 against each other at this moment. And they're both going off at plus 2,500 to win the race. So, tail of the tape, William Byron has been here four times at Phoenix. So, not a huge sample size, and he's got one top 10. Kurt Busch, in his last 10 races here, obviously he's been here a million times because he's an old geezer, two top fives and six top 10. So, pretty successful. But, like we said about somebody else earlier in the podcast, most of his success has come in maybe the, the previous races, not necessarily recently. But, Last year, he finished 11th and 7th. So, I like that. Whereas, last year for Byron, he finished 17th and 24th. In the four races where they were both competing, Kurt Busch has a 3-1 series lead over Byron at Phoenix. And I'm going to go with Kurt Busch here. Because of the fact that when you're looking at the average finish lists, he's showing up in the top 10s. Byron... Nowhere to be seen. Obviously, less of a sample size, but still, sometimes when you have a smaller sample size, it actually skyrockets you to the top of those lists because less chance for you to mess up. We don't see that with Byron. He's nowhere to be found. Kurt Busch, he's up there. He's sixth overall in driver rating. In the, you know, that's that's a damn good number, and he's somebody that I'm actually targeting again to finish in the top 10. Now, he's currently going off at plus 300 to finish in the top 10, which is better than Almarola, and I would probably feel more comfortable placing that bet than I would on the 10 car. The one car, I mean, Kurt, he was right around the top 10 last year here in Phoenix, 11th, just missed, and then 10th, or excuse me, 7th, well within the top 10. So I like that good value. I'm going to see how that goes throughout the weekend, see if we see any things that would maybe scare you off that, but I'm all over it at the moment. So feeling good about Kurt Busch beating William Byron. We know my history with William Byron. Whenever I bet against him, he does well. Whenever I bet for him, he's terrible. So another one where we're going to have to see where it goes. I'm all over Bush. Screw you, William Byron. Let's get it done. So just to recap the, the head-to-head picks that I'm liking this week, I like Chase Elliott over Joey Logano. I like Eric Almarola over Clint Boyer. Cole Custer over Christopher Bell in that Battle of the Rookies. And Kurt Busch over William Byron, Battle of the Old versus Young. Last week I went young. This week I'm going old. Kurt Busch in that one. And then to finish in the top 10, I like Almarola at plus 175 and Kurt Busch plus 300 at the moment. Those will definitely fluctuate as the week goes on, but 
Those are the two guys that I like there. I think good value there in the top 10. One prop bet that I just want to mention here that I thought was interesting. Actually, I'll, I'll talk about two prop bets. One is something that Cousin Greg actually mentioned to me last week before the race started. And it had to do with the prop of finishing in the top five. You get to choose yes or no. It has the driver's name. And will they finish in the top five? Yes which is more of a underdog pick. Most of the time it's like plus, you know, 225, 300 all the way down to, you know, the crazy numbers with the loser drivers. But when you're looking at drivers to not finish in the top five, that's where you're seeing, you know, huge risks, right? So you could see a guy like Bubba Wallace finishing the top five. It's like minus 10,000. Like, of course, he's not going to finish in the top five at Phoenix, but There's one guy that stood out to me. Cousin Greg brought it up, and he would have hit if he put the money in. So this is kind of like what we're saying with the top 10, where you're looking for the best combination of value and the the statistics for the driver. Denny Hamlin stands out to Cousin Greg and now me looking at it this weekend because he would be right around that minus 150, 175 mark to not finish in the top five. And I don't think he is. I still think that he is going to have that Daytona 500 hangover. He's performed well, well enough, it seems like, over the last two races since then. So I'm going to say at Phoenix, even though Hamlin has some good stats here, I'm going to look at what that prop bet is come Sunday morning. I'm going to wake up you know, shit, shower, shave, and kind of relax. Take a look and see what that prop bet is. And if it is right around that minus 175 mark, I'm going to probably throw something on it because I don't think Denny Hamlin will be finishing in the top five at Phoenix. That's a, a risk that I'm willing to take. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that one. The other prop that I've hit on the last two weeks is the manufacturer prop bet. What manufacturer will win the race? I hit on Chevy last week and they were the underdog they were plus 225 which didn't make sense same exact thing the week before with the ford camp and so they were they were the underdogs there too going off at plus two something so i'm going to look and see what it is this week i'm anxious to see where the ford number is because of harvick i like blaney we talked about that and then you factor in guys like kozlowski and logano uh, those are guys that could jump up and win the race. So I would like to see if that number is right around that plus 200 mark. I would probably throw something on the Ford camp this week, uh, which is a great, it's a really fun prop bet, by the way, because you have so many guys that could win you the race. You've you got a guy dominate and then he drops out. Oh, here comes another guy right behind him with a, the same manufacturer. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Be anxious to see if uh, we could get some money off of that prop bet as well. We've got a a short Phil's Fired Up section here for you today, but it's just one that's lingering, and I just can't get it out of my mind, and it just bothers me to no end. We've talked about it before. I feel like I'm beating a dead horse on this one, but I just have to get this off of my chest, and it's the availability of some of these prop bets on the sportsbook apps and websites. It doesn't make sense. The inconsistencies are glaring. This past weekend was no different, so... 
we had at one point on Saturday the ability to bet different groups and you could bet on the stage winners, like which drivers are going to win each stage, among other things. So I was actually brought to the attention of this from a buddy, Nick, out there. Nick, if you're listening, here's a shout out for you. I appreciate you looking out. He texted me and said, hey, a lot more bets are available right now, which was great. That was phenomenal. It was like, wow, maybe things are starting to change. Then on Sunday, completely disappeared. Back to the normal money line and the head-to-heads and the manufacturer prop bet and the top tens and stuff we mentioned before. It doesn't make sense to me. So I texted Nick and said, yeah, it disappeared at midnight. What is the point of that? So what I'm getting at here is I... I need anybody out there listening, anybody that's actually putting some bets in, we need an army of people out there monitoring this. If you're out there and you're putting in a a prop bet and you see more bets available this weekend, I would love for you to send me a text message or or hit me up on Twitter. Um, That would be phenomenal because I need to try to get to the bottom of this. I feel like a detective. I don't understand why they would make bets available random times throughout the week and then take them away and not have them there right before the race. Because when are people thinking about betting on the race? The day of. Most people are not throwing bets in on a random Saturday at like 5.50 in the afternoon. Like that doesn't make sense. So I reached out to DraftKings because they're the, the best app that is out there right now that I can tell, FanDuel has absolutely nothing. They're complete losers. It's just money line and, and garbage. Um, Fox bet, kind of the same thing. So I reached out to DraftKings because they are you know, the most robust and said, why are these bets disappearing? The, the customer service really has absolutely no answer for it. They default to, hey, this is what's being sent to us from our affiliate who sets the lines. And so what I need is to try to get to the bottom of it. I asked for a contact that I could reach out to about this, and they told me that that's not possible. So I don't, I'm, I'm kind of at a dead end. You know, I'm, I really don't know where to go with this. Again, it doesn't make sense. This is the last time that I'll talk about it for a while. I just needed to get off my chest. The fact that it's there and then it just disappears, I, I can't get over it. I really can't. The, the the common sense is not prevailing in this case, and I, I need to, to try to figure out what's happening. So if you see stuff, say something to me because I'm trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together in some way, shape, or form to try to formulate an answer that may make sense. And also, if you see some of those like stage options out there or the groups where you see like the group B of like four different drivers, let me know who you're throwing money in on because I would love to see what uh, people are taking out there if they're able to get these prop bets. All right, so that'll do it for another episode of Full Tank with Phil. This is going to close out the West Coast swing. Probably the last time we're really talking about betting on favorites for a while as we go back to the East Coast and some of those tracks, it doesn't make sense. So get your bets in, throw some of the money down that you have on those guys we called out. Get your head-to-head picks in because I feel good about them this week. And we will see you next week for Atlanta. And remember, drive fast and take chances. We'll see you next time. Have no place to go. Have no place to go. Darling, have no place to go.
Goodbye, baby. 